This is Crossroad Combos, the podcast about having a real conversation when you're at the crossroads of life. One of the most powerful things an individual can do is realize that they have a choice in everything. And you realize that you need to make a change. And then all of a sudden, they just slap me in the face and yo, man, they'll wake your ass up. Should you go left or right? Let Jay-Z tell it. I chose my own fate. I drove by the fork in the road and went straight. See, should you stay or should you go? But you have to be vigilant in trying to, to find that truth. What do you do? I'm Rashad Edwards, and this is Crossroad Combos. Having a belief in something is easy for some people. A belief in scientific data may be even easier for some people. Now, there was a time when, at least in my adolescence, that I could believe in anything because I was told I had to. Well, not just anything, but in the concept of God. And I did believe. And most of my experience with God was in observance of others partaking in weekly or quarterly religious activities. And what I mean by quarterly is showing up to service only on major holidays, Easter, Christmas, and New Year's Eve. Now, it wasn't until after my 16th birthday that I began to question the activity itself with a simple why. I don't know why I asked the question. I wasn't an atheist, nor am I today. I just felt like asking it. And my understanding was very limited at the time as to what the purpose for going to church, participating in prayers, and offering our last dollar to the fourth and fifth collection plate was. I wanted to know more. So I asked why. Why God? Why church? Why religion? Now, many of the extraordinary people in my life ask that same question from time to time, day to day. And that question alone is the reason why they remain extraordinary to me and in my life. So today I'm conversating with a longtime friend of mine. Yes, I said conversating. It's a word now. I'm conversating with Mr. Mendel Butler. And today we're going to chop it up a bit on the topic of being labeled a skeptic. So don't touch that dial. We'll be right back after these massages. Peace. Okay, some of you know, some of you don't know, I am an actor, and so that means that I really have to take care of myself, I have to take care of my body, uh, my health, and my physical appearance. So, uh, one of the things that I do on a monthly basis is I get facials. Yeah, I'm not uh, afraid to admit that. I get facials, they're lovely, I've been doing it for some time now, and I go to Massage Envy on... Uh, 42nd Street. So if you are around, uh, get yourself a massage even at Massage Envy. But I get facials and massages. This is a massage. Hurry up with my damn massage. Yo, what's up, man? What's happening? Chilling. Yeah. Welcome to the show. Man, appreciate you having me. Do you want to disclose your information? Are you okay with that? What kind of information are we talking like where you live, your address, you know, uh, your mom's address. <laughs> <laughs> Social security number, birthday, and all that stuff. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm just, you know, Mandel Butler, uh, artist, actor, man, living in New York City. Living the dream. Yes, sir. 
So how long have you been in New York? Oh, man. Uh, well, most recently is about, I want to say eight, no, no, about 10, 11 months. But uh, previously leave, lived in New York for about five years. Uh, from there, went to Los Angeles, lived in Los Angeles for six years. Followed that up with uh, New Orleans, lived in New Orleans for two years, and then made my way back up here to New York. That's what's up, man. That's what's up. Yeah. I mean, this is a little weird. I'm not going to act like I don't know you, man. <laughs> Let's just do it like this is a real conversation. It's bros. Right. Been my my brother since for almost 20 years now. Whoa, 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 whoa. whoa. You know, getting, get, getting in age now. You talking about talking about age now, man. Yeah. <laughs> remember when? Right. Uh, remember that time? Yeah, it's, it's been a good, good 20, almost. Uh, moved to New York together, what, 2003? So that's about 15 years right now, just uh, uh, yeah, doing man. the professional pursuit of the dream. Man, that's another show. That's a whole nother show. One of the things that the debates we used to get into about things that just really, I don't know about that, man. This, mm-hmm. this, you know, we got to look into that, you know? Yep. Does this exist or not? So skepticism, being a skeptic, do you pride yourself on that? Is it something that you can, like, you still may identify with, or just say that this that's a thought pattern you had before? Well, I would say for the large part, it's a, it's a thought pattern that I had uh, mainly before, and uh, right now it's more of a, I guess you could say, like a balancing act trying not to be too skeptical on things, but also not to be too accepting of things. Because I think there's a lot of, especially in society now, there's a lot of wool trying to be pulled over your eyes and you kind of you kind of have to be aware of that and continue to be aware of that. But not, not so much so to where you're just cutting yourself off from society in general by being too skeptical about everything. You know, not, not necessarily everything is a conspiracy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, there are some truths out there, but you have to be vigilant in trying to, to find that truth and not, not accept everything. But, you know, it is definitely a more of a balancing act. Uh, you know, when I was younger, it was just, I was questioning everything. <laughs> everything, everything. So, uh, yeah, now it's, I'm a little more chill. It's a little more uh, of a balancing act now. Do you think part of that questioning everything caused you not to you make certain choices that, may have um, put you in danger and harm's way in some way. So like in a way it's kind of like armor. Uh, you know, I, I, yeah, I never really thought about it that way, but you know, I definitely will, will say that um, I would agree with that, especially when it comes to, to more of like a, a spiritual thing, uh, mm-hmm. you know, topic of spirituality you know, younger, uh, when I was younger, I definitely had my guard up with spirituality where I just didn't believe in anything. Um, you know, I closed the door to all of that. And I think in doing so, it kind of uh, hindered me in, in, making, in, in making certain strides in my life because I didn't realize the, the power that I, I truly had and um, you know, navigating certain situations because I was just trying to do it all on my own. 
and not realizing that I had outside forces that I could call upon and, you know, helping me. And, uh, yeah, you know, I, I definitely think that there was a little armor up that, that, um, with the whole spirituality thing that. What, what changed it for you? Uh, life. <laughs> Basically, you know, life has a tendency to slap you in the face. Uh, you know, once you get out of the comfort of your parents' home or, or, you know, whatever your comfort zone is, I know not everybody has the same, um, you know, home situation that I had. Um, but once you get out of that comfort zone and you enter the, the world of adulthood and, and real life, uh, things start happening. And, you know, I, I definitely experienced some hardships in my life to where I had to humble myself mm. and, um, and realize that, you know, I needed, you know, some sort of help or faith beyond me to, uh, help me navigate those situations. I'm prying here because, you know, I want those who don't know what those forces that, that can help you and assist you, mm-hmm. are they visible or are they, what is it actually? Can we give it a name? Uh, well, for me, um, I've come to adopt, you know, African spirituality called Ifa that is heavily based on, um, acknowledgement of your ancestors and uh you know i definitely feel that that my ancestors have guided me and protected me uh mostly for some real dangerous situations but you know when you talk about like are they seen you know some people you know this is really getting a little deep there like some people some people i believe can see uh, mm-hmm. you know, more of like the spiritual realm. Um, I wouldn't say that I have that ability, but what I will say is um, even though I haven't seen any spiritual forces, I have seen their ways of communicating with me. And, um, you know, it appeared to me with just my, just seeing random like 11s everywhere, you know, like the number 11, whether it be nine eleven on the clock 11, mm-hmm. 11, I just see 11s everywhere. And it, it started in a point where um, I was really headed into a dark point in my life and, you know, doing some reach, research and everything about 11s, you know, they're a very spiritual number. Mm-hmm. Uh, very, It's a very intuitive number. And it is a way where, you know, the spirit world can contact you and, and tell you, yo, you need to start making some changes, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, it got to the point where, you, you know, you ever see like in movies where, you know, somebody's like halfway passed out and somebody's trying to get their attention and they're like yelling their name, yelling their name. And then all of a sudden they just slap them they're like, yo, wake up. <laughs> yeah. That's what happened to me. Like with the yeah. 11s, like it started off real slow and, you know, I was being skeptical, wasn't yeah. paying attention to anything. And then all of a sudden they just slapped me in the face and said, yo, Mandel, wake your ass up. (laughs) Now, because I remember you bringing that up when Mm -hmm. we were roommates in 2003, Mm -hmm. and you would look at the clock and be like, man, look at the time. And I'd be like, what are you talking about? (laughs) And you're like, it's 9 11. It's like every time I'm sitting right here on the couch, I look at the clock and it's 9 11, whether it's in the morning or at night. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I'll say, okay. (laughs) And, And then some time went by, and then I, for some reason, I needed my birth certificate. 
And I was like, wait a second. I'm looking at the time I was born. It was 9-11. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, what is this all about? And um, and I don't think it was until, what, 2006 or so when I was introduced to numerology that I gained some perspective on numbers mm-hmm. and what these numbers mean and how, how, they, how they influence us and can guide us on our path. Right. Um, so it, it doesn't go away. You made a good point about the universe showing you or those forces showing you how they communicate through these signs and symbols. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's an important factor when it comes in, into, I guess, believing in spirituality. A lot of people think that it's some spirit coming, walking and sitting on the edge of your bed, which happens to people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> most know? definitely. You know, and then people, people started to think like, oh, why can't I see it? Am I not special? Am I not spiritually in alignment? And, you know, a lot of times it has nothing to do with that. Yeah. Um, a, lot of, it, a lot of times it has something to do with it. They, they might just be communicating to you specifically in a different way. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, I, you know, I also have very vivid dreams to where I receive messages in my dreams. You know, other people may not have that. They might, they might, you know, really physically sit down and see a spirit or an ancestor and have a conversation with them, or they might have interactions with animals, you know, repeated interactions with animals and, you know, animals are spiritual as well. Um, right. So it's not, it, they don't communicate in in the same ways with everybody, for sure. My father is a very influential person in my life, and he <laughs> he basically taught me. I, I I think I learned my I know I learned my skepticism from him because he he was brought up in the church uh, in you know the Christian faith, I believe Catholic went to Catholic school um, and through his experiences, he started questioning, questioning things with Christianity. And uh, by the time, you know, we were growing up, me my brothers and I, um, you know, he was already teaching us things about Christianity, about our history, which is another big thing. Uh, our history as African-Americans in this country. He, I remember coming home from school, telling him things that I learned in school, and he'd sit us down and be like, no, 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 no. You're going to learn the truth. <laughs> and he, you know, so he, he'd make me skeptical on, on the, the lessons that I, were, I was being taught in school about history and, uh, and how Christianity was, was introduced to African-Americans. And uh, so just in dealings with my father all my life, um, I was just born to be skeptical of everything. Uh, so I did question everything uh, to the point where it's probably uh, very annoying to most people. It's a thin line when, you know, people call people who question things a skeptic. I almost think that's dismissive in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, you label someone, you, brace, you, you make them an outsider just because they have a question about something. And I think it's rooted in you know, what you mentioned about your father being raised in a Christian environment and uh, religious institutions, uh, don't question God, you know, just have faith. Exactly. You know, just believe. So 
part of your questioning is, is that wanting to know? And I think that's the bigger picture. People want to know. And when you shut a young mind down that wants to know, they're going to continue to seek. Mm-hmm. Well, hopefully they continue to seek. Yeah, I think there's a lot of people out there, especially in our community, where they get shut down and they stay shut down. Mm-hmm. And they go on and accept what they're being told. And even though what they're being told may be blatant lies, you know, or condition things that we were conditioned to believe. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, they, they fold under the pressure of people calling them cynics or calling them skeptics. But like you said, once you put that label on somebody and put them outside the box, that, that could be a lonesome environment for some. And, you know, I think the large part of human nature is to want to be accepted by society. So there are a lot of people who continue to be, who accept that and just shut down and stop questioning things. Me, on the other hand, I just want, that's just not in my blood. So I'm, I'm constantly questioning and not necessarily accepting. Uh, You know, I do, I will do my own research before I just go on and accept something as truth. I think that's very important. You say you do your own research because and especially now in the media are fed information and will immediately react to it and post on social media as if it's fact. Oh yeah. I can't even tell you how many times I've seen somebody post a, uh, a blatantly fake uh, news article on Facebook without even checking the source. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like yeah. there, there's some sources out there that are quote unquote credible or more credible than others and there's some out there that are just blatantly fake and they will share that in an instant without even sometimes they'll just read the 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 title and not even the article yeah. and just go on and share it yeah it's it's it's, it's actually getting worse it's like <laughs> it's like you you it's, it's it's more important than ever to do your own research nowadays right right and it's easier too we we live in an age of information now mm-hmm. i mean It's all about perspective to me. Uh, We talk about growing up and how our parents grew up, you know, Christian environment, told to believe a certain thing. They have to do their research even more, especially during this time. I commend fathers and parents that are able to sit their kids down and teach them their history. You're not learning your history at a public school or a school that has been started by your oppressor it's just not going to happen um so it is important that we as african americans or whatever race or culture you come from you know it's us as african americans that really have the the task of getting back to the source yeah and i I, just to add some context to it you know you and i being from uh the South, specifically Houston, Texas, you know, you can only imagine the kind of twisted history we were told in in school. It was, right. you know, I, I can't speak of what the education system is up north, but just being up here and experiencing society up here is a totally different, it's a totally different situation than it was in the South. Like, you know, when, when I go back home, I, I, I can feel the racism mm. in the air that I 
you know, growing up just accepted as like reality, you know. Right. And the and the stories that we were told in school, like even like talking about the Civil War and uh mm-hmm. slavery, it was told from a perspective of uh Confederate soldiers being heroes. Yeah, yeah. You know, stuff like that. So uh I had the I was very fortunate in the sense that I had my father at home, but I also had some other uh male figures who would teach me the truth in high school. Like I had a, a coach by the name of Norris Burst. He was uh he was a history teacher. He was part of the Nation of Islam. Mm. So he would actually take some of the black male students and sit us aside and teach us our history, teach us about religion, uh Christianity, the truth of Christianity. The, um, and our, our true history. And, you know, I was, I will honestly say that I, I was very fortunate in having a system of men. And that's very important. Mm-hmm. A system of men who pulled me to the side, set me down and had lengthy conversations about the truth of African-Americans in this country. And in doing so, you know, like I said, they they taught me to question things. I mean, even like it got to the point where I would sit down and watch TV and, and look at commercials and question why the white people in the commercial seemed like they just had so much more fun in life, <laughs> you know, or that they were they were more clever. I remember my father. I don't know if you remember the old stovetop stuffing commercials. Oh, yeah. 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 So it would be like, you know, it'd be like the white boys. My father pointed this out to to us when we were sitting down watching TV one day. How like all the white boys in the commercial, you know, they'd be cooking. They'd be like, what's your mom cooking for dinner? He's like, stovetop. He's like, what's your mom cooking for dinner? She's making stovetop. And they would connive and come up with this master plan to where they could both eat at each other's houses. What's that great smell? Chicken. Oh, yeah. And stovetop stuffing. Your mom is making stovetop instead of potatoes? The celery, the onions, and all that great stuff. Think I could stay? Sure. Mom, can I eat it too, Miss? Yes, but we're having chicken and stovetop. What time? Eight. What time are you eating? Six, I think. Hello, Mom. You can never get enough stovetop stuffing instead of potatoes. (laughs) So they, they were very, like... They were very manipulative and 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 uh, clever in their scheme, but when they finally introduced like black people in the commercials, it'd be like they were at the basketball court or something, and then somebody would be like, "Hey, Leon, Mama's making cornbread dressing tonight." And then all of a sudden, you the camera flashes back to the to the where the boy was with the basketball, and you just see the basketball bouncing. <laughs> so, you know, him hearing that. Mama was making stovetop stuff, and he just ran home to have stovetop. There was no like cleverness or master plan. It was nothing like that. It was more of them was like just like a desperation or just like, ooh, I'm lucky to be having me some stovetop tonight. Right. You know right. what I'm saying? So like just in marketing and everything, like the way you just look at things, like the way the definition of beauty you know, mm-hmm. in marketing or on television or you know, back then there was most of the time you saw black folks on TV, it was like, you know, either a subservient position or playing a pimp, a drug dealer or something like that. Like, you know, everywhere I looked, I would question, why is that? 
Right. And what purpose is it serving? So, yeah, I was very I was very fortunate with, you know, the people I had influenced my life and have me question things. Well, you know, it's funny you brought up the, the stovetop thing because uh, Dave Chappelle, he's a Netflix special. He <laughs> he did a bit about uh, the stovetop stuffing. I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> Me and Emmy used to hang out. And one day I was at his house. We were just hanging out. And, and Timmy says, Dave, why don't you stay for dinner tonight? I said, oh, man, I'd love to, but I can't. If I'm not home before dark, my mother will kill me. That was a lie. <laughs> my mother had several jobs. I hadn't seen her in like three or four days. And the only reason I lied to Timmy was because at that point in my life, it was my experience that white dinner wasn't delicious. (laughs) I'd rather go home and fry some bologna or some shit like that. (laughs) But then old Timmy threw me a curveball I wasn't expecting. He said, well, it's too bad you can't stay, Dave, because, um, Mom uh, made stovetop stuffing. I said, what the fuck? Stovetop? Well, hold on, nigga. Let me make some phone calls real quick. I had seen that commercial so many times. I had dreamt of getting my hands on some of that stovetop stuffing. And finally, I met a motherfucker that actually had a box of stovetop in the house. I couldn't miss this opportunity, so I pretended to call my mother. And then I came back and I said, Timmy, Timmy, you're not going to believe this great news. Mom said I can stay. Now, have you found the answer to those questions? Like, why is that? I mean, I I definitely think there's still a large, um, there is a, a greater attempt to keep us enslaved. And I think it will constantly be that. Um, You think that's globally or just in America? I would say definitely globally. I mean, I mean, it's definitely America. So here's the thing, right? I know for sure it's definitely America in my mind. And the skeptic in me says I wouldn't be surprised if it's globally. But (laughs) I'm pretty sure it's globally. We hear, we see, you know, racism being played out in America a lot. And I always like to tell my brothers and sisters that that's our history here. But we had a history before America. And it was a very rich history. Mm -hmm. I say I don't blame the quote unquote white man for coming over here, doing what he had to do. He did it. It's done. Here we are. Well, the thing is, is it happened. Yeah. You know, regardless of like the motives or whatever, it it happened and it's happening. So how do we, how do we move forward with it? You know, it's like you say, we're at a crossroads. How do you, how do you move forward? And that's like the important thing to constantly ask ourselves. It's going to take a lot of work because we're so, we're so dependent on outside sources it's almost like, you know, when we talk about boycotting places like, you know, like you say boycott places like Walmart or 
mm-hmm. because you know whatever happened there or Starbucks. It, it's like are are we really prepared to boycott some of these places? Like, do we have the infrastructure to? You know what I'm saying? To it's like it's like when they did the Montgomery bus boycott. Like they didn't just like say we're not gonna take the bus. Like they had a plan. Like they they had like carpools and yeah. You know what I'm saying? Walk together to 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 work or whatever. Like they had like some sort of plan and infrastructure to help people get to point A to point B. Get from point A to point B. Right. You know, outside of using the bus and. I don't know if we have the infrastructure to do that, you know, that same thing. Now, I hope I'm wrong, but I know that the powers that be did a, a remarkable job in creating divisiveness in mm-hmm. our in our community. When you when you dehumanize a group of people, that group is is going to want to prove that they are human in society that they they should be accepted that they matter this is why you would have a black lives matter people are upset and furious at the police shooting unarmed black men women children it's really they have no filter when it comes to it they really don't care and I don't think it's out of fear oh they're scared of black people so they're just pulling out guns and shooting them no, it's not that. Police have always been shooting and killing unarmed black men, women, and children. Mm-hmm. It's just now viral all the time. You know, it's the hot topic of the day. Yep. So when you have these things set up, we matter. Please accept us. You're forever going to be at the mercy of your oppressor. Right. You have to find value in yourself in your race and culture. I feel like a large part of kind of like dealing with, you know, what has been put into us mentally is getting to a place where we can actually acknowledge that it it was done in the first place. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, uh, what is that quote? Like the greatest, the greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. They're like the greatest trick racism ever did was convincing the world it it never existed. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like this whole concept that racism is dead and that it's like it's like slavery is almost being swept under the rug. You know, is right. is like once we get to the point where we can really truly and you know for the most part for us it takes us doing our own research to see what was done to us during slavery, uh, what was done to us after slavery, what kind of tolls that took on us, like um, the post-traumatic stress that we experienced, you know, coming out of slavery. There is a lot that was done to us that we don't even acknowledge. And even from like the diet that we eat, still to this day, it's tied back to slavery. You know, the religion we practice is largely practice is tied back to slavery. And once we start acknowledging these things and how deep rooted our pain is, until we do that, we can't really start to recover from it. 
I definitely feel like a, a certain level of skepticism is very healthy, you know, and it, it's something that we need because I feel like we as a community are too willing to accept what we are told rather than taking the time to research and, to, you know, do the due diligence before accepting something as, as truth. Thing, do you think that Kanye West is being treated fairly? Or what what are your thoughts on on his situation with where he is in life and him saying that slavery is a choice? You try to get me in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right, so my thoughts with Kanye, my brother Kanye. Okay, so I think one of the most powerful things that an individual can do, and this is something that I learned later in life, one of the most powerful things an individual can do is realize that they have a choice in everything. Did slaves have a choice to continue into slavery? Yes, they did because they could have chosen to kill themselves. Many slaves during the Middle Passage, Middle Passage decided to jump off the ship into shark-infested waters. Many slaves decided to kill themselves. They, there are documented slave rebellions. So yes, they did have a choice technically. However, the choice that they had was like almost an impossible choice to make because a lot of times in the institution of slavery, like say, for example, if you, you ran away or to, to prevent people from running away, they would publicly maim somebody, you know, chop, you know, in, in um, Roots, Kunta Kinte got his foot chopped off, mm-hmm. you know, or people would be publicly tarred and feathered and mutilated and, you know, in doing that, be an example for other people. Watch other people watching that. Mothers would want to protect their children, so they would they would raise their children to be you know abiding to the slave owners. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's it was an impossible choice to make, and I, I think I think the way that he said it was with a certain level of judgment. You know, that was maybe unfair because it just wasn't as easy as he painted it. But yeah, technically, technically, they had a choice. Um, I don't know what I would have done in that situation. I would love to say that, nah, man, I would I would have fought back or nah, man, I just would have killed myself. But I, it's impossible to know because we're not in that situation. I feel like we deal with things nowadays people willingly do things to put themselves in prison. And that's just another form of slavery. You know what I'm saying? Now, I don't know if this is getting off topic, but another, another position I have with the whole Kanye West thing is the way that we as a community came out and publicly like drug him through the mud, uh, over using like his platform to promote Trump's agenda and make American great again. Um, and I, I just have a whole, I just question the whole idea of being up in arms with Kanye West, but we're so accepting about other hip hop artists who promote drug use and gang violence. 
you know. And and pretty much rape. Yeah, that you know, misogyny, rape, you know. Mm-hmm. It's like we will we'll go to the club and have a, a nice old time dancing to all that music all night and we don't say a word, but as soon as soon as Kanye West says make American great again, you know, we're all up in arms. When you know, a lot of these and you know, I listen to this music. Right. I do. Um but a lot of this music is promoting drug use to our kids. And most of the drugs are drugs that are going to sedate them, make them walking zombies, you know, keep them from educating themselves, keep them from reading a book. You know, the cool thing to do is to, you know, shoot a fellow black man prison. You go to prison. You it's like nowadays you want to be a successful rapper. You sell some drugs, kill somebody, go to prison for a few years, come out and you got a record deal. Oh, but you got to get shot nine times. Oh, uh, and and get shot. Be willing <laughs> to get shot. Like, you know, I, I I think we're we're missing the bigger picture. Like, I I don't think Kanye West. Um, and this is just my personal opinion. I don't think Kanye West, his uh, message in, is any more detrimental than what these other messages are being put out there by other hip hop artists. Yeah. Um, but you know that's that's just my viewpoint. I know it's probably not a popular viewpoint, but of course not. Nobody, yeah. Now I know you've questioned it. What do you think? What do you think he's really up to when he's when he's supporting Trump and wearing the "Make America Great Again" hat? What I think he's really up to, uh, quite honestly, I haven't put that much thought into his true motives. Tell the truth, uh, I, I would love to give him the benefit of the doubt and and say he's just promoting free thought which is i think is a wonderful thing to promote free thought um but i don't think he acknowledges the two the true potential of what his message is saying like you're you're really promoting a guy who's who's being the most divisive president in history (laughs) as far as like you know keeping people out of the country and kicking people out of the country, tearing apart families. Like he's really, he is really doing some damage to a lot of families in this country. And by Kanye aligning himself with that is just giving him more power. Mm -hmm. So while Kanye might be thinking about free thought and stuff, I think there's, there's other avenues that he can do that with. He doesn't necessarily have to do that by aligning himself with Trump. I don't understand what he's doing and I don't seek to gain understanding by what he's doing. It's like, that's, that's, that's his business. I'm, I'm not, not even worried about him. Just really like his music. Yeah. It's like, I mean, Kanye is, is going through some sort of crisis. So do you think he's at a crossroads? I think he is. And I think he's trying to figure it out. I think, I think we we like to get on him because he is a public figure and we like to put we like to make him some superhuman when being when he's just a human being. You know, he has like yeah, he's a musical genius. He's an artistic genius, but that doesn't mean he's a perfect person. And we put too much we put too much on him. Too much credibility on him. It's like, yeah, just enjoy his music. Right. <laughs> I, I really, I really do like what he's promoting as far as, as far as uh, free thought 
because I think that's something that we we definitely need. We need to to be able to to step away from societal norms and and have our own thoughts on things. Yes. Um, so I definitely I definitely agree with that. Um, yeah, I, I give him I give him credit for making us talk about it. Because whether we like to acknowledge it or not, we still are slaves. Let me paint a picture of what's waiting for you on the shore. You arrive in America, land of opportunity, milk and honey, and guess what? You all get to be slaves, split up, sold off, and worked to death. The lucky ones get Sunday off to sleep and fuck and make most slaves and all for what? For cotton, indigo, for a fucking purple shirt. The only good news is the tobacco your grandkids are gonna farm for free is gonna give a shitload of these white motherfuckers cancer. And I ain't even started yet. A hundred years later, you're fucked. A hundred years after that, fucked. A hundred years after you get free, you still getting fucked out of job and shot at by police. You see what I'm saying? This guy gets it. We still are slaves. We 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 still are. It's like you know they may have they may have changed their methods, but the whole everything, pretty much everything you can think about, was going on with slavery is pretty much going on in some form or fashion now. It's just different. Yeah, it's like we might not be working plantations, but there's people in prisons uh, doing very cheap labor for some for major corporations. It might not be for free, mm-hmm. but they're still they're still they're still shackled. Right, right. They're still shackled and getting paid like what it, whatever it may be, 10 cents an hour or whatever. Yeah. Well, it's right not. But it's 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 slavery, man. Yeah. It's slavery. And we're brought up, we're brought up from the very beginning to be to end up in prison. It is a it is from the educational system to everything, it's leading us. It is a pipeline straight to prison where they are continuing to do the cheap labor thing. We're still slaves, man. I appreciate you, man, taking time out. Um, man, of course, man. Yeah, I appreciate, appreciate you having me. It's always good to be able to sit down and talk to you, man. This no is, doubt, This man. is almost 20 years in the making, so. Yeah, you know, right. you, you always got me at one phone call, so. All right, brother. Appreciate you. All right, brother. Take it easy. All right, peace. Peace. My hope and prayer is that this conversation has helped you reach another level of understanding. So the next time you come across someone that asks the question, why, you'll think before you label them a skeptic and know where this sense of research and investigation lies. Especially with the current state of affairs and global political climate, why wouldn't you question everything? A wise man once said that to know is to be educated. And if you're not educated, then you don't know. Pretty simple, right? If it were that simple, we wouldn't be having this conversation. I'm Rashad Edwards, 
and that was Crossroad Convos. Next episode on Crossroad Convos. Next episode, we'll have a professional on to talk about some of the themes that play out in advertising, like the stovetop stuffing commercial that we mentioned in this episode. So make sure you subscribe, check out the uh, podcast for next episode. I can't wait to have another conversation.